All right, y'all ready for the word of God today? Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13 and Habakkuk is actually how it's usually pronounced, but if we're in East Texas, so we're going to call it Habakkuk. And uh, turn to Habakkuk chapter one. And last week, so we've been in a series of messages that we called Check Your Bags, and we're talking really about freedom. By the way, where are all my freedom people from Freedom Conference? Okay, there you are. <laughs> And so, man, we had a lot of fun at Freedom Conference this weekend. Um, probably too much fun. We even played Name That Song in one of my, I was supposed to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We started playing Name That Tune. But anyways, never know what's going to happen. Um, and it was not, it wasn't worship music. I'll just give you a hint. We were having a lot of fun. Anyways, um, what was I saying? Yes, we've been in a series called uh, Check, Your, Check Your Bags. And we've been talking about, we've been talking about freedom. And uh, last week... I started talking about this suitcase right here, this bag right here. And, uh, and I said, this is the bag, because we talked about a lot of bags, but we said, this is the bag that Satan will pack for you. And we found he will pack us. How many of you know he would love to pack you a bag, right? He would love to fill your life with all kinds of things. And uh, we've talked about a lot of those things, but what we started talking about last week uh, were, was uh, demons, like the work of, oh, I know, yeah, <laughs> the work of the enemy. And I, I, I gave you a lot of introduction and the first point last week. So I'm going to just a brief recap and I'm going to give you point two and three this week. So if you're new this week, <laughs> right now, Ethel, get your purse. They're going to talk about the demons. Oh, you're going to dress up like one here in about a week. And yet you're worried that we're talking about them. Um, <laughs> It's, isn't it interesting that I have like conversations with myself while I'm up here and y'all just kind of watch, you know, like blessing Jesus. Um, but, but we talked about this and it's in the word of God and it is real and we need to understand it. And so I'm not going to share, obviously, the, the foundation that I laid last week. So you can go wherever you get our podcast or YouTube, you, you know, that you can watch the messages on the app, on our website, on YouTube, you can listen to Spotify. We're all in those places. But um, so you may need to go back and listen to that. Um, but I want to pick up where I left off after we do a little bit of recap. So Acts chapter 13. Paul is preaching in Antioch of Pisidia, which is, we explained this last week, which is different than Antioch of Syria. Antioch of Syria was where he was sent from. That's where there was a great church. It was a sending center, incredible church. Uh, but he is now preaching in Antioch of Pisidia. They are both in modern-day Turkey. Antioch of Pisidia is northwest of Antioch of Syria. And I know this, this morning when you and your wife were having your coffee, you're like, you know, I really hope he explains the two Antiochs that are in modern-day Turkey today. I know that's what you're thinking, and I just want to say you're welcome. All right? And so, um, but he is preaching about Jesus and he gives them a warning, and that's what we want to dive into right here. So um, Acts chapter 13, verse 36 says, For David, after he had suffered the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep, was laid with his fathers, and saw corruption. Verse 37, but Jesus, it says he, but it's talking about Jesus, whom God raised up, did not see corruption. So he's, make, he's preaching Jesus. He's explaining. He rose from the dead. Verse 38, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by everyone who believes is freed, and by him, I'm sorry, by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed 
by the law of Moses. So now we're talking about how Jesus makes us free. He wants to free us from bondage. Verse 40 is where he gives the warning. Beware, therefore, lest that is, it is said of you like the prophets. Verse 41, look, you scoffers. Now he's quoting Habakkuk. So here's, here's what he's about to say. Okay, well, let's read it. He's quoting Habakkuk and he says, Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells you. So here's what he's saying. He is preaching Jesus to them and he's like, I want to give you the same caution that Habakkuk, because they would have known this verse. I want to give you the same caution that Habakkuk gave your ancestors and that is God's doing something and I don't want you to miss it. Now, listen, I had a burden about this this morning. I was studying um, or looking over my notes, really, and praying. Um, but I kind of want to say that to you, Pathway. Yeah, because here's what I want to say. I, I've been here for 12 years. Um, that's how old our church is. And some of you have been here for 12 years, right? Praise God for you, you awesome people. Um, and And... I don't want you to miss what God is doing. At our birthday, the, really the Saturday night before our birthday, is like the Holy Spirit moved in. How many remember this? The Holy Spirit moved in in a, in, in a different way, different than anything we've experienced. And I've had, some of you have said, you know, things have really been different since our birthday. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's kind of where we're at. Yes, what's different? Yes, <laughs> you know, God is, God is moving. And, and I thought about this this morning. Since our birthday, we have not had a weekend without someone being physically made well. And I don't think we've had a weekend without someone accepting Christ. And I just want, because even last week, you remember last week, I, I stood up and I said, hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I don't even remember which service it was in. But I stood up and I said, I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me that, that there's someone you have an issue with your ears or there's, there's a tightness or a pressure or a pain or there's something going on with your ears. And, um, you know, I, we just prayed. Well, then I think it was Monday, I got an email from a lady in our church and she said, hey, I've had this pressure, pain, ringing, whatever this thing was, but pain in my ears for years. And it, it left during that. Like when you prayed, it's gone. And, um, and then one, uh, I was sharing that in the 9 a.m. and one of our staff, uh, uh, Bill uh, Fairbrook, came up to me. He said, you know, I just noticed I've had tinnitus or whatever they call that ringing in the ears. And he said, all of a sudden I realized it's gone. And, and so I, I just want to say, Let's not miss, like when you come in, you realize, hey, there is something going on. It's because the Holy Spirit's working and don't miss that dive in. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to wait 30 minutes after you eat. Just jump in the pool. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like just jump in the pool, right? You know, if you get a cramp, go down, we'll come get you. Okay. We will come get you. So, so he's given a caution, like don't miss what God is doing. So I want to go back to Habakkuk. Um, and I want to read it in context and, and that's where we're going to work from. Verse five of Habakkuk chapter one, look among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe though it were told you. So it's the same verse that, that Paul quoted. Now let's go to verse six. For indeed, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Verse seven, they are terrible and dreadful. You see that? 
Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are also swifter than leopards, and they're more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. One version says, as the eagle swoops down. I think I'll read that one in a minute. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind, which was the harsh wind. And they gather captives like sand. Now, here's what we said last week. We said, in the Bible, there are types and shadows. They're like, we are sheep. Now, we don't actually go around with wool and go, <laughs> we don't do that. But the Bible says we're sheep. Pastors are known as shepherds, right? And we said the Chaldeans are actually a type of the demonic or the work of the enemy or the power of the enemy or demons. Um, in the exhaustive Bible dictionary of names, which is an actual resource, if you look up Chaldeans, it will define it as, it say Chaldeans, as it were, demons. Okay. And so we want to look at the Chaldeans so that we understand how the enemy is trying to work in our lives. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do uh, today. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we do not want to miss you. We do not want to miss this moment. Uh, we want to hear you. And so God, we just pray you would speak so clearly. Open our eyes to see you and, and also open our eyes to the, to the strategies of the enemy. God, so we could walk in freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, <clears throat> amen. Now, if you remember, last week we started at verse six where we said they want to possess dwelling places that are not theirs, and we said they come to steal. The enemy from the beginning has always been after whatever belongs to God. If you think about this, if you remember in the very beginning, uh, before the beginning, in some ways, some regards, he wanted the throne that belonged to God. I will ascend to the throne of God, right? He wanted the throne that belonged to God. Then when earth was made, he wanted the creation that belonged to God. And then he wanted the people that belonged to God. So he always wants what belongs to God. So he comes to steal. We know this, even Jesus said, John 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy, let's say very carefully, you need to understand the enemy is trying to take from you. And, and that can be anything, anything you have. So he, he won't maybe steal your family, steal your relationships. Maybe he wants to steal your joy or your peace. Maybe he wants to rob from you financially. Listen, nothing is off the table when it comes to what he wants to steal. Right? A thief comes, listen, a thief comes for what is valuable to them. And you need to understand this thief comes for whatever is valuable to you or to God. And so we said that he steals. And then, and then we even talked about how King Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible, oh, King Nebi, King Nebuchadnezzar um, was actually a Chaldean who became the king, and I'll talk about this here in just a minute, who became the king of uh, Babylon and Assyria in 605 BC, but he was actually a Chaldean. And when he became king, Daniel's chapter one, we, and again, this is a recap, but we looked at this, Daniel chapter one, is he stole two things. He stole the tithe, and we talked about that, how he emptied the treasury of God, what belonged in the house of God, he took it and stole it and put it in the temple of his God. 
And we said the enemy is after the tithe, which is the first 10% of our increase that the Bible says we're get, that belongs, the Bible says it belongs to the Lord and we return it to him. And what I said last week that I just want to reiterate, and I'll tell you how powerful God's moving because, you know, there's sometimes you just got to understand what a miracle looks like. But when a, a pastor talks about a tithe and he starts getting emails, thank you so much for preaching on tithing. We decided to start tithing. Lord's been dealing with us. We realized and that's a miracle. <laughs> but anyways, what, what we said is, and, and I said this, and it's true, if you, if you don't tithe, you have an open door of the enemy where he'll steal from you. He will. And it's in, it's in the book of Malachi. He said, you know, when you bring the tithe in the storehouse, that I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there's not room enough to receive. And then verse 11, he says, and I'll rebuke the devourer. The devourer is always a picture of the enemy. And here's what he said, when, because you're not tithing, the devourer is stealing from you. But if you tithe, I'll rebuke him. Now, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. 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 So um, that's like when older brother comes to the playground fight. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good deal. So, um, so we talked about that. I, I, I want to say one more thing about the young generation. And, uh, <laughs> and I want to be careful about how I say it. But I just... Can I tell you what my burden, I'm going to tell you what my burden, because a lot of you have written me very nice, very wonderful texts and emails about, Pastor, we really appreciate how bold you are about speaking to current issues. And I think that one of the ways the enemy, the enemy always works to silence truth. One of the strategies of the enemy, okay, I'll come back to that. Don't let me forget. One of the strategies of the enemy, this is fresh, like this is not in the nine, and I just thought of it, but all of a sudden I got to download. I'm going to give it to you. It's going to be free, okay? One of the strategies of the enemy is to um, insulate you or cut you off from truth. So what he does, now listen to this, he will demonize truth. Okay, let me explain what he will do. He will call truth hate speech. Because once I demonize it, I can discredit it. And once I discredit it, I don't have to listen to it. And I think there's harsh speech and there's hate speech. Don't get me wrong. But I think someone saying, I believe this or this is what the word of God is. I don't believe that's hate speech. Right. And I don't know why you get to determine what hate speech is. Right. Like, I don't know why certain people get. So I just want to say, listen to me. Now, that's one way. But let me back up and say how he works in your life. When the enemy wants to take you captive, what he will do is cut you off from all the truth speakers around you. And he will convince you. This what, listen, it's the guard. It's Genesis chapter 3. He said, did God really say? Well, God was lying to you. God was withholding. And once he discredits the voice of truth, he's got you. And in your life, you need to be careful when you're being led in a way and you are silencing the voices that want to speak truth to you. Or you're demonizing the word of God or truth. That would be the extreme. But you need to just be careful when all of a sudden you're just saying, okay, I'm not going to listen to them because of this, and I'm not going to listen to them because of this, and I'm not going to listen. You may, be, you may be being led astray. So you just need to know how the enemy works. Now, when we're talking about the younger generation, so let me get back to this. I'm talking about the younger generation. This has been a burden. I don't know how big of a problem it is technically in our community, I think, but I think we need to be aware. And so I'm going to say something very strong. Have you noticed I do that a lot lately? (laughs) Um, I'm going to say something very strong. Don't walk out. Hear me out. Um, I think critical race theory 
is a de- demonic doctrine. Um, and let me explain why. Because it says to one race, you should be ashamed, while saying to another race, you are a victim. And both of those messages are lies of the enemy. Now, let me be real quick to say, we have a racial problem in our country. And if you don't think we do, let me help you. We do. And people are being mistreated even still today because of the color of their skin. They are being oppressed because of the color of their skin. Sometimes they don't have the same opportunities because of the color of their skin. That still exists. And racism is is demonic at its core. And there is no excuse for it. But the, the solution for it is a changed heart. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to change the heart, right? The gospel of Jesus is the only way to change the heart. And you can't solve racism by creating racism. And that's what critical race theory really does. It, it, it indoctrinates with, you should feel, you know, telling, you know, a nine-year-old Caucasian person, you should be ashamed when they, they're, they're, they didn't even know they were a racist, they haven't, like, racism is learned. Yes. You understand? It's a learned behavior. And by telling someone that hasn't had even a chance, you know, hopefully to learn that, sure, hopefully, dear God, from their parents, something like that, hopefully they're, they're biased, you know, are, are not biased. But by telling them something's wrong with you because you were born white, while telling this group you're going to be a victim because you were born with dark skin, that's demonic and it's very... You understand what I'm saying? That didn't come from God. That came from the devil. And it does not solve the problem. Shame is a message from the enemy and victimization is a message from the enemy. And so we we need to fix the problem. And let me tell you where it always starts with you. You need to be honest. If you have bias, you need to be honest. You might, well, I'm not a racist, but do you have a bias? Do you act differently when, when someone of color is around you? Okay, I can't get into all that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I, I bit off more than I could chew right there. But you start with you, and you start by being honest, because until we all get honest with ourselves and we get honest with the Lord, we're not going to be able to solve it. And it's a real problem, and it needs to be solved. Yep. It's a real problem, and it needs to be solved. But critical race theory is not how you solve it. It's just not how you solve it. And let me just, okay, one more thing. (laughs) I had a guy in our church tell me, I've really enjoyed our church since the birthday because I never know what's going to happen. I'm like, me neither. (laughs) Um, Let me say something to you parents. Uh, Your school board works for you. They're elected. They work for you. And it's your tax dollars that pay all the school employees so they work for you. And you have every right to know what they're teaching. And you have every right to protest it if it's not your value. And you have every right to go to a school board meeting and let your voice be heard. And, And organizing the FBI to police school board meetings is not democracy or freedom, that's socialism. So let me just be clear on that. All right. So, all right. Now that I've, you know, opened up a lot of can of worms, <laughs> I'm just, I, I think one of the demonic doctrines is the separation of church and state. The separation of church and state was not to keep the church from influencing the state. It was to keep the state from influencing the church. Yes. 
we've gotten it backwards. And we believe this lie that as, as believers and as Christians, we shouldn't worry about the real issues that are going on out there. And I would say the real issues going on out there are our responsibility to do something about. We just don't wage war the same way they wage war. All right, so y'all still alive? So the enemy comes to steal. Here's the second, here's the second thing. Here's point number two. Now we're starting today's message to see what we can tear up. All right? Um, the enemy comes, they deceive. So they steal. This is the Chaldeans. They steal, but then they deceive. Psalm 83.3 is talking about the enemy, and it says this, they, desi- they, they devise crafty schemes against your people. They conspire against your precious ones. Look at that, crafty schemes. So let me tell you about the Chaldeans. The first Chaldean to rule over Babylon, the way he became the ruler of Babylon was actually by moving to Babylon, becoming friends and manipulating, and eventually he, he just took over Babylon. And he actually ruled over Babylon for about 10 years before the Assyrians said, wait a second, how'd this jack wagon come into power in Babylon? So the Assyrians come down, they oust him, but then the Chaldeans come back with force and actually conquer Babylon and Assyria, and that's how King Nebuchadnezzar becomes king in 605 B.C., So this is what I need you to understand. The way they took over was by sneaking in and deceiving the people. They were crafty. They had crafty schemes. Look at this verse 15 of of Habakkuk chapter one. It says, he brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices in glad. What do you think that's talking about? Let me give you, it's talking about fishing. Right? Fishing. I don't know. I used to do a lot of fishing. I didn't do as much catching. But I did a lot of fishing. I was great at fishing, not so good at catching. We'd have starved, slapped to death if we were dependent on, you understand what I'm saying? But, you know, it was years ago, um, we used to go fishing. And I like fishing for bass. Not that I'm discriminating against any fish. That was just the one I like to fish for. Okay. And so, um, but the way you fish for bass is with a lure. And the lure isn't real, but you learn to present it as though it is real. And by deceiving the fish into thinking this is something real, they clamp down on it and then you've got them. The other way you catch bass, especially during the spring when they're, when they're you know, having baby bass, right? All of a sudden we went to kindergarten. So the mama bass has the baby bass, you know, the little baby storks come and uh, whatever. Anyways, um, but um, the, the, uh, the bass, when they sit over the bed, another way that you, get, you catch them is you use a lure that they're not really hungry for, but it provokes them. <laughs> Come on, road rage. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and I think this is what the enemy does so many times is he, he is, a lot of times he's provoking people. So in anger, we will sin. In anger, we, we will take up offenses that aren't ours. Sometimes we take up issues that aren't the right issues and we get provo- he will provoke us into something we can't win right? There's a lot of Christians not doing what God called them to do because they're on social media fighting a battle God never called them to. (laughs) Right? Because we got Christian trolls out there trying to police the internet. (laughs) 
And it's like, no, go do something with your life, man. Um, but the other thing is through deception. Look, deception. Um, by making, making, listen, who else, who else could figure out the timing of the king being on his balcony and put a beautiful woman taking a bath next door at just the right time. That's what he was doing. Oh, got him. That was it. Right? This is, this is what he does. Now, now look at this. Daniel chapter 2, verse 2. Look at this. Um, I know it's a lot of content, but y'all doing okay? Okay. Daniel chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Then the king gave the command to all the... Look, what's this? The magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and look at this, and the Chaldeans. Look at the group that the Chaldeans are comprised of and named with. Magicians, sorcerers, astrologers. Now listen, listen. Let me give a disclaimer so you don't have to sweat it, okay? I'm not saying if you go to Vegas and there's an illusionist that you're a, a devil if you go watch the show, okay? Okay, we all safe? But there are real demons... And they do deceive. And so let, break this down. Look at this. How do magicians deceive? Through distraction. They get you looking here and they do something here. Right? They deceive through distraction. Um, I think that... Um, oh, let me read you this verse. So in, in the parable of the seed and the sower, where the seed is the word of God and it starts, it starts producing fruit, but then comes the thorns and they choke it out, right? You remember this picture from Mark 4? And Jesus explains, verse 19 of Mark 4 says, and, and these thorns and thistles and things, these are the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, riches and the desires of other things, and they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Here's what he's saying. The seed went in and then the world distracted it. And I'm telling you right now, there are so many believers. Listen, it is hard not to be distracted by the world, right? Turn on the news. You know what I'm saying? Turn on TV or Netflix. Or whatever. I mean, there's just so many, there are so many messages through social media and YouTube and TV and all this streaming and all this other stuff. So many messages. And, and not only that, the cares of the world, like we all want a nice house. You know, here's what's interesting is we, we, we fantasize about the nice house we want or the nice, the nice house we want, but we don't dream of the nice home we want to make. We will get a vision for, for the house we want, but not a vision for the home we want to create. We get distracted by the things of this world. And, and I will tell you right now, uh, look, I want to show you this one, 2 Timothy 4.10. Uh, I just always like this verse. I'm going to preach on this one these days. But verse 10, it says, Demas has deserted me. This is Paul. Demas has deserted me because he loves the thing of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Here's what he's saying. Paul was like, Demas was with me. He was on fire for God. He was involved in the purpose of God and the plan. And then he got distracted with the things of the world and he deserted his calling and started chasing after something else. And this is what I want to call that message. Don't be a Demas. <laughs> Don't do that. I 
I should not be allowed to go to Freedom Conference. I should not be allowed to go. But don't be a DMS, okay? And, and, uh, and get distracted. But this is what happens. To all, and listen, it happens to me. It happens to all of us. We, we get our eyes on the wrong thing. We, we get enticed by the wrong thing. And it's not even that they're bad things. But here's the problem is, a lot of times I can sit people down and they can tell me their retirement plan or, or you know, if maybe they're single, they're like, I can tell you the type of guy I'm going to marry and I can tell you the house we're going to live in. And, you know, I was having this conversation with this girl one time and, and she was like, I mean, she had it all planned out. She could tell me how many kids, how many pets, how many cars. I mean, all, all the way down to it. You know what she couldn't tell me? It's why God put her on the planet. And, and I, wasn't, I, I wasn't mean to, or anything like that. I was just like, well, tell me why God put you here. Like, what? I'm like, well, man, you have given me like I've got the playbook of your life. I mean, your education, your job, how much money you're going to make. I mean, your husband, what he's going to look like, you know, and kids and how they're going to be. And, I'm, of course, I'm like, bless your heart. It's not going to work out that way. But anyways, you can, you know, ignorance is bliss. Enjoy it. And so, you know, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know, unfortunately, you can't roll up to a window and order, you know, a life. You just, you got to work your way through it. You know, I have a number three and biggie size, my mansion. You know, anyway, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I have a number four and make sure he's super hot. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> The point is that we get so distracted in all these pursuits that we don't really know some of the most important things. Like, what is God speaking? And what is God calling you to? And what's God's plan and purpose for you? There's nothing wrong with stuff. I mean, if you have a nice house and a nice car, great. You know what I'm saying? But, but what is God really calling? What's God really want to do with your life? Can I give you one more way that I think is a strategy of the enemy where he gets us distracted? With busyness. Can I tell you something about Daniel 7 says that he will wear out the saints of God. And can I tell you, I, I'm going to say a couple of things that you just need to hear. Busyness most of the time is artificial significance. Because sometimes the more insignificant we really feel about ourselves, the more busy we become. Martha, Martha. Right? And we're making Jesus tacos he never asked for. Right? Like she's in there cooking a meal. She's like, I didn't order any food. And, and I just want to say, to let me give you a caution to, to parents <laughs> and everybody. <laughs> um, so, you know, I usually say this about probably once a year because I think it needs to be said. Um, you got to be careful how many activities you get going on at one time. And, and, and our kids played sports. They're all here. All three of my kids did extracurricular activities, played sports, those type of things. Uh, two of them still are involved in their school. Amen, sister. Uh, two of them are still involved, you know, those type of things. And so I'm not saying they shouldn't and you shouldn't do that. I'm saying that what I watch nowadays is this extreme like America, we get we tend to run too far in the wrong direction. When I played, you know, the coach had a bat, and that's what you used. We didn't go buy eight hundred dollar baseball bats. And I and if you got eight hundred dollars and you can buy a baseball bat, I'm I'm just making the point. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, because here's the deal. <laughs> like, um, I, lovingly, let me say they're not going to go pro. 
okay? And, and lovingly, let me also say, no matter how many trophies they win, sir, you didn't win, so you can't live your life through them, okay? And lovingly, let me say, whenever that age comes, even if they go on to play college or something like that, when they hang up their cleats, you need to ask yourself as a parent, what do I want to have taught them is the foundation of their life? Activity or the word of God? And, and let me say one more thing and then you can clap. <laughs> and, and, and here's my concern is that we don't understand sometimes, but when we're putting everything else, like we can't get them to student ministry because they got this practice and we got to be gone all weekend to this baseball tournament and we're not even having time as a family because our whole life is consumed with, with these activities and we never take any breaks, then, then my, my concern is that what you're teaching your children, whether you mean to or not, is church is something we do when we're not tired and we have plenty of time. Instead of, no, this is the first thing. Seeking the kingdom is the first thing and everything else comes after that. And I think when you want, when you, listen, think about them raising your grandkids and it'll change about how you think about them. Okay, I'm going to be done with that one. So don't let the enemy wear you out. Like, you need to go home and evaluate. Is this really what God wants me to do? I get a lot of invitations. I turn a lot of them down. I get invitations to other countries. I get invitations to speak. I turn them down most of the time because I'm like, I just don't think that's something God has for me right now. So, um, because right now I'm trying to be a pastor and a dad and figure life out. You know what I'm saying? So there's everything's in season. Okay, so... The magicians, they, de- they deceive through distracting you. Sorcerers deceive by spirits. Like there are real spirits, right? And sorcerers are in the spirit realm and they deceive you, right, with, with, with other spirits. This, this is going to be fun. Y'all going to love this one. Let me give you a verse. 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Holy Spirit expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith. Why will they leave the faith, Paul? They will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. If you don't think a demon can teach you a doctrine, do you remember in, we read it last week, but in Daniel chapter one, where um, Nebuchadnezzar, as we said, he stole that generation. But you know what he did? He pulled them in and it said he taught them the culture and the literature, not of the Babylonians, not of the Assyrians, of the Chaldeans. What are Chaldeans? Demons. What did he teach them? A belief system of demons. Doctrines of demons. And you're like, well, there are no doctrines of demons. Good. Let me give you a few. Here are a few demonic doctrines. Uh, Number one, the first, I think this is the first demonic doctrine. Uh, There are no demons. I think that's the first one, right? Because if I want to, you know, pillage and plunder, you know, if I want to steal and rob, I'll just convince you I don't exist and you'll blame somebody else, right? So that's number one. Here's, Here's one that's really popular today. There's no hell. There's no hell. 
Jesus talked more, I think he talked, and I'd have to look this up, but my mind tells me, so I probably studied this at some point, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. So you need to think about that one. It's a real place. It's real hot. Like it has nothing on, like Texas in August has nothing on hell. Are you with me? Um, the next one is either, you know, the Holy Spirit is not for today or there are no gifts or there's no power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, here's a real popular one. Um, this one's demonic. Um, you do not have to turn from sin when you come to Christ. Like Jesus is okay with your sin. Like he just wants to love you through it. No, he wants to deliver you from it. Jesus didn't bleed and die on a cross to love you through your sin. He bled and died on a cross to recreate you a person free from sin. Let me give you, like here, 1 John 3 says, um, and anyone who has this hope of salvation purifies themselves. Well, what's that talking about? I thought Jesus washed me. Yeah, he washed you on the inside in your spirit. But what John said is, no, if you're really saved, you purify yourself. You get the sin out of your life. I think it was Paul that said, after, after you've come to Christ, if you continue in sin, there's no longer a sacrifice for you. The writer of Hebrews said, you've offended the spirit of grace by your continued sin. Like, I mean, these are all scriptures in, in, in your Bible. I wanted to do a series called Spooky Scriptures, but because um, for Halloween. But anyways, um, but, but it's just, and let me give you one more without being just, since I'm just having fun. Um, to affirm any lifestyle choices that the word of God does not affirm, in fact, speaks against, and then to call it okay and say God's okay with it. Listen, if God never convicts you of your sin, you're not serving God. You built an idol, yep. probably in your image and not his image, right. and you're just serving yourself, which is to say you're serving the enemy. Okay? So they deceive. And then astrologers, last one, astrologers deceive by telling you your future. Let me say it this way. They prophesy to you. <laughs> they prophesy. Um, but yeah, this is what the enemy loves to do. He would love to tell you your future. And he'll do this in two ways. He'll make promises to you that keep you distracted and off track. Or he'll paint a picture that paralyzes you with fear and dread. But you need to understand the only one who can predict your future is God because he's the one that said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're not of evil, but of good to give you a hope and a future. So you need to stay out of the horoscopes, right? And stay in the word, all right? Are you with me? So he deceives. Here, here's the third thing, which is point two for today, but point three, however. Um, but they destroy, they destroy. Habakkuk 1.7 says, they are notorious for their cruelty. Remember, this is talking about demons. And they do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and they are fierce, more fierce than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away and like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. I'd love to do a whole message and just take each of those pictures and explain, but I can't do it today. And it says, on they come, all bent on violence, their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like the sand. That's pretty intense. You need to understand the enemy is coming to destroy. He is ferocious. I want to take one of these pictures. It says this. They're, 
that he is more fierce than wolves at dusk. Let me just talk about that. Just talk about how the enemy works. More fierce than, all right. I don't know if you've ever been out in the wilderness. I know some of you, you know, where am I in, in camping people? Like we like to camp once a year. Yeah, we work hard all year to go to pretend to be homeless for a few days. It's wonderful. Um, that's what camping is. And I didn't see a lot of hands. So where are my glampers? Are my glampers? Yes. Like, oh, if it doesn't have a hot tub, honey, I just don't think I can do it. I just don't think I can. Uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it doesn't have Hilton in the name, I'm not camping in it. Um, bless you. But anyways, um, we grew up in the country, grew up camping, and, you know, typically go camping with the boys every year. And, um, and sometimes you can hear wolves, and they come at dusk. And some things you need to understand about wolves, uh, number one, they're never off-duty. Like a lot of times when you think they look do- docile and, and um, not engaged, they're actually putting on a front to make you think they're not after you when really they're studying you to figure out how to kill you. The next thing is they don't fight fair. They always outnumber whatever they're trying to kill. They will come after you. They will surround. Have you ever heard wolves? They start howling. You know what they're doing? They've got something in the middle and they're all working until they can come together and attack it. Like, you should watch you some National Geographic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, so, and so look at what Jesus says, Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless adults. And so here's what he said. Hey, guys, there's wolves. Look what Paul said in Acts 20, 29. For I know this, that after my departure, this is what Paul said. After my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. No, they study the flock and they study. Here's what they're looking for. I'll tell you what they're looking for. Two things. Whoever's weakest and whoever's by themselves. Because you're always weakest by yourself. Jesus never sent one person out to do anything. He at least sent them two out at a time. That's why you always have like, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, you know, Paul and John, Mark and, you know, whatever. You, you, you have a group. Um, because the enemy, that wolves, what they're doing is they're studying and they're waiting and they're ferocious and they don't fight fair and they are looking for the weakness in your life. You need to understand the enemy has been studying you to figure out when you're weak. He knows you're weak. Like you got, let me talk about the you up text. Y'all don't know what the you up text is. It's a culture thing. Uh, that's usually when somebody's thirsty and they're wanting to hook up and they get lonely and in the middle of the night or late at night, they text a friend and say, hey, you up? There's nothing good that comes from a you up text. <laughs> Ain't nothing good ever come from that, okay? But I mean, but what, it, what is it? They're at a weak time. Going to find you. A you up text doesn't work at two o'clock in the afternoon while you're at work. But two o'clock in the morning, right? And so you need to understand, it's like, you know, hey, listen, let me say this, especially to my guys, but also my gals. If you can't sleep late at night, probably turning on Netflix or getting on your phone or your computer is not the best idea. Because that's, I, I can't tell you, I mean, I counsel where they're like, you know, I was doing good, but I got up two o'clock and, you know, got into porn. Listen, get into the word of God. I will tell you, the enemy, you start reading the Bible, he will sing you to sleep to get you out of the Bible. 
You, you understand what I'm saying? So you just need to be careful about how the enemy comes to war against you because these wolves are coming and they're looking for when you're most vulnerable. Now, here's what you need to understand. Let me give you one picture. What did we say they're looking after? They're looking for the weak and those by themselves. And that's kind of the same thing in a way. So here's what I need to understand. When I'm weak, I need to what? I need to get me some friends. I need to get in a life group. I need to, I need to phone a friend, somebody. I need to talk to my husband or my wife. I need, I need to call somebody when I'm weak. But also I need to understand that I don't need to be out there by myself. Listen, here's what I understand. If I understand that I've watched National Geographic and the, and the sheep that always gets eaten is the one over there not, that's by himself and not paying attention, and he's over there just doing him thing, and he got isolated, and they surround him, the next thing you know, whoop, and it's all over. Here's what I'd be doing as a sheep. I'd come up. Do you know how sheeps, sheeps, do you know how the sheep protect themselves? Is they get close together in a flock or, you know, a herd. They back in. So let me give you a picture. The way they protect themselves is they all pull together, right? And the one that gets eaten is the one out here going, you know, it's, and he's dead, <laughs> right? He, he going to get eaten. Here's what I would do. I'd get right up next to the flock and be like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. Because I'd be getting right up in the middle for one of two reasons. Either A, he'll get the ones on the outside, or B, he'll get full before he gets to me. You see what I'm saying? That's my strategy. Be getting in a life group, you know, I'd be getting in next step. I'd be joining a serve team. I, I, I would. I'd be, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I'd be right in the middle. So the Chaldeans are vicious and they want to destroy. This is one more fact about them is that they lived in the marshes and they would camouflage themselves in the marshes and they were expert um, archers. And they didn't fight fair, so they would hide in the marshes and when, when you know, whoever they were after would come through and the marsh would slow them down, they'd just pick them off. And this is what they do. They wait for life to slow you down when you're trudging through life, when it's hard when you're weak, they don't give, it's like some people think, well, it's so hard. I'm sure the enemy will give you a break. He will never give you a break. In fact, when it gets the hardest, you need to know you're in his crosshairs. He, he will, he will never give you a break and you're just treasure through life. Listen, let me tell you how vicious he is. Let me give you this. Let me tell you how vicious he is. He is so vicious that if he had it his way, he would thrust every newborn through with a sword. And you say, I don't believe it. That's what he did when Moses was born. And that's what he did when Jesus was born. And if he had it his way, he would do it today. And he would thrust every baby. He is vicious. He is cruel. He is ruthless. Are you with me? But let me tell you one more thing. And that is this, he's playing for keeps, so you better play for keeps too. I want to give you some scriptures because I want to give you, I want to arm you up a little bit. Are you ready for that? So what do we need to do? Well, number one, number one, submit to God. James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee or he will flee. 
you need to understand that, that you have authority over the enemy, but the authority you have over the enemy is in correlation to your submission to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. So submit to God. Number one, number two, get connected. Like get in a life group, join a serve team, get you some friends at church. You're like, I don't have any friends here. Go to the tent and make some or bring you some. You know what I'm saying? But get you some friends. Get connected. A life group would actually be best. Number three, do the stuff we talked about in this series. Close the doors of the enemy, right? Go back over the other messages and look, look through there and say, hey, do I have any open doors? You know, lying's an open door. Sin's an open door. But generational iniquity is an open door. Having believed a lie is an open door. There are diff- different ways. Um, Ephesians says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath and give no place to the enemy. Uh, ESV, I think, says it this way. Don't give an opportunity. So take away the enemy's opportunity. You know, deal with the issues of your heart, but also deal with the issues of your life so that he doesn't have an opportunity. So submit to God, get connected, close doors. And then the last thing is wrestle in prayer. Um, Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the air. And he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and anything that exalts itself against. He said, hey, don't, don't understand the enemy's schemes or, or strategies. And he said, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the strategy of the enemy. And so here's what I'm saying is like, get in prayer, get in the word of God, be filled with the spirit and understand this. I want, I want to leave you with this verse right here. Luke, Luke 10 verse 18. And this is Jesus. And he says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Oh, that's good. You need to understand you're fighting a defeated foe. You need to understand, listen to me. Every demon you're fighting is going to have their place in the pit. They, already, they have already been judged and they have already been sentenced, right? They have just not been sent yet. So you are fighting a defeated foe. You need to understand that. That Satan, you have, more, you, you have all authority and all power. Satan is created being. He's not equal to God. He's not equal to Jesus. No demon is equal to God or Jesus. And this is the proof of it. Jesus said, when he rose up, fell like lightning, like God said, you're gone. Out of here you go. So you are fighting a defeated foe that you have authority and power over. And look what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he said, behold, I give you authority. Now he is not talking to the 12. He is talking to the 70. Because a lot of people use this verse and say, well, he gave the 12 authority. No, no, no. He's talking to the disciples of the disciples, which is what you are. You're disciples of disciples. What I am, a disciple of disciples. And he said, I gave you, I'm giving you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now he's not talking about crawling things and critters and stinging bugs because he clarifies it by saying, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You see that? He has given you authority. The enemy, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've been born again, he has no authority over your life. The only place he can work are the places you surrender or the doors you leave open. But as soon as you say, nope, I'm going to surrender this to God and not to you. I'm going to close this door so you don't have this place. He has no authority. He doesn't get a vote on if he stays or not. You have authority over him. And so I want you to stand. We're going to close today. And uh, we, we do this about every weekend, but we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And here's how I want the Holy Spirit to speak 
to you, to me, to us today is I'm going to ask him, number one, to show us. Remember, James said, submit to the enemy. Submit, I'm sorry, not the enemy, dear Lord. Submit to God and resist the devil. There we go, submit to God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life I need to submit to you? Do I, is, I mean, it could be that I, you've been wanting me to forgive someone and I just haven't forgiven them. It could be something like that. It, it could be, um, you know, you've told me to do something. I just haven't done it. It could be that, yeah, I've got sin in my life or something like that. I mean, whatever it is, this is good news that we can ask the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what is, what's in the way here? And he can say this, and we say, oh, well, I surrender that. Forgive me, or whatever that is. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, will you show us how the enemy is trying to attack us right now so that we can take authority over it? So this is what we're going to do, okay? Why don't you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for your, for your grace and your goodness. Oh, God, thank you so much that we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Woo, we are not unarmed. We are not sitting ducks and we are not weak, but we are mighty in God and more than conquerors in Christ. And so God, today we ask Holy Spirit that you would show us any area in our life where we need to submit to you. Anything that we need to surrender or do or change or repent for, whatever it is, God, I want you to show us. So Holy Spirit, show me right now if there's anything in my life I need to deal with. Show me right now in Jesus' name. And right now, I want you just to, to as he's, he's showing you something, I want you to just hang on to it for me. If you get a picture or a word or he shows you an event or something that happened or something you said or something you did or didn't do, whatever it is, it's fine. Don't feel condemnation. Just hold on to it. And then here's what we're going to do is say, God, will you, you forgive me? Like I submit to you in this area. I'm going to, I'm going to make a change today. I'm going to deal with this today. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for forgiveness today. And I do ask for forgiveness if it's something I need to ask for forgiveness. But it's something I need to do, God, I'm going to make a commitment to do it. If something I need to change, I'm going to make it a commitment to change. Lord, if I need to break up with them, if I need to give it, or if I need to change it or whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do today. Because God, I want to be submitted to you. And now, Holy Spirit, now that we're submitting ourselves to God, will you reveal the strategy of the enemy that's coming against us today? Will you reveal the strategy of the enemy that's coming against us today? Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to us. Just show us. Open our eyes so we see how the enemy is warring against us today. Maybe showing you a relationship, or maybe showing you something financially, or maybe showing you something spiritual, or whatever the case may be, a picture, whatever. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Maybe he's giving you a word, whatever it is. Hold on to it. And then now we're going to pray, and you you have to you have to pray for you, but I'm going to pray for us. And so God, I thank you today that I have submitted to you, and I am surrendered to you. And your word says, God, that I have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. And your word says that if I submit to you, I can resist the enemy and he will flee. Not just stop, but he will run. 
And so, Lord, that is what we pray today, God, is that we are submitting these things to you and we're, we're repenting or we're committing to, to do what you've asked us to do or change or whatever it is. God, we are in submission to you. So, God, out of that submission, we have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. And so, God, we come against the work and strategy of the enemy. Number one, that they would all be revealed. What are his works and strategies? But number two, God, we exercise authority. We cancel every assignment of the enemy. God, we expose every plan of the enemy. We bind every work of the enemy. And we cast out every demonic spirit out of our lives and our homes and our families. God, we declare we have victory in Christ. We have authority through him. God, we are conquerors and more than conquerors in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise today? <laughs> oh, I feel better. Like not good enough to run a marathon, but good enough to go eat lunch. All right. And so... <laughs> Anyways, listen, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, and we want to conclude. If you need a relationship with Jesus, if you know there's something in your heart and your life between you and God, and you need to get right with Jesus, we want you to come. But if you need prayer for anything, healing, whatever it may be, we want you to come. We want God to work in your life, and we want to try to help and serve you in that way. Other than that, if you don't need any of that, if you do, please come. If you're online, they'll, they can, they'll give you a number to text and how to get prayer if you're online. Um, but we'd love to pray with you as well. But get prayer if you need it. And if not, we say, I think God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend. Don't forget prayer this week, uh, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. But I will see you next weekend. God bless you. I love you. Go get your kids. Y'all go get something good to eat. We'll see you next time. God bless you.